evolving education for a changing world. Expand your career opportunities and earn an MBA from University of Cincinnati Online Lindner College of Business. Designed for busy professionals, UC Online MBA is flexible, personalized, and supports students from application all the way through graduation. Get the world-class degree you deserve without sacrificing work or family commitments. Apply now at online.uc.edu MBA. This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. England's highest quality title race of all time, but coming out on top again in the Premier League, Manchester City. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. We're off the ball. EPL is back on BFM. And uh, with me, your host, Cam Ruslan, we have three of the finest football pundits that I could find last minute. One is Arvin Sidhu. Hello, everyone. Leeds is Arvin Sidhu. He's going to have some things to say a little later on. And Gogolin. Hello, everyone. Aston. Last minute, last minute. Yeah. As- <laughs> no, 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 no. You were top of the team sheet, always. Oh. <laughs> and also uh, equal top of the team sheet is always uh, Des Corkill. Thank you very much. And VAR, surprise, surprise, <laughs> might make an appearance this week. It is dreadful. It is an abomination. Do you wake up in the middle of the night kind of screaming, VAR? <laughs> uh, no, I, what really upsets me is that I, people are accepting it. People are saying, oh, it's, okay. it's part of the game now. It's, it's dreadful. It's like the five substitutes. It's just dreadful. Not all progress is good. Okay, and uh, if we have time, we're going to talk about the uh, the back pass rule as well and uh, substitutions. How about that one, Des? So uh, we're going to start with it's an unlikely start. I don't think too many times we would t- put the top of uh, the show the scoreline of Norwich two Everton one, but at the end of that terrible display, really against the worst team in the league, uh, Rafa Benitez finally got sacked from Everton and. Des, I want to start with you because your family in Liverpool is part Liverpool, part Everton. I think your brother's an Everton fan. So, you know, clearly the the divides can be crossed. But was uh, Rafa Benitez to Everton, was that a relationship that was always doomed? I think if you win one in 13, no matter what the relationship is, it's doomed. Um, uh, There is a problem. But I would say you, you said finally sacked. He had seven months. He's the shortest ever manager at Everton. And the one thing that he was promised when he came in, the one thing he asked when he came in, I remember vividly the press conference because there was a lot of uh, ructions. Is he the right thing? He said, listen, this needs patience. Seven months is not patience, no matter how dreadful the, own, uh, the, the defeat was, including a dreadful own goal by Michael Keane. Just awful. If your recognised best centre-back is scoring own goals like that, I don't know where, where you go from there. So, so I've, I've got huge amounts of sympathy for, for Rafa Benitez because it seems to be that um, he is carrying the can. But now Mashiri has now gone through six managers, two directors of football and half a billion pounds and is no better off than he was before. So sometimes the man who carries the can maybe isn't the problem. There's a feel-good around Everton generally because of the new stadium. There always seems to be a feel-good around at the start of the season. Remember, they won the title three times last season under Carlo Ancelotti. Ancelotti left them in a big, big mire. Um, but um, So Benitez will carry the can. There's one or two injuries there. Um, there's one or two young players who've come through. 
it's, it's, it's strange. It, everything points to the fact that Everton should be so much better than they are. I don't really know whether it's just the, Benite, uh, the, the Rafa Benitez who was the fault, but he's the one who carries the can. But you look at that, six managers, two directors of football, half a billion, and they're no better off than they were before. So something is wrong somewhere. Uh, Gogolin, you've always been an advocate of uh, giving time. You're saying that the, the project always takes time for a manager. Do you, do you uh, still stand by that? Do you, do you think that he was hard done by after seven months? Yeah, of course. Seven months is uh, short term in football managers. I mean, we all know how long it takes. But like you said, it was due from the start. You know, BDTS going to Everton, the pressure was on him from day one. You know, especially with all the backroom uh, dealings and all. And like what Des is saying, there's something broken there. That the fact that he's gone through this many managers in this past, this is everything we're talking about. They are relatively a mid table club, but they're always good enough. You know, you can always bank on them to be there and do well. This there's something I don't know what the owner is trying to do. Right? There's something going on in the back for you, for them to be fall off the radar as much as this, especially with a manager like Benitez. Uh, Arvin, let, let's look forward then and let's ask the question, who could be a possible replacement? Uh, the, there's talk of Martinez, who's been... Uh, uh, Biesla, with... is going. <laughs> uh, Arvin, Arvin's feeling sick um, and crying. Uh, there's, there's talk of Martinez from Belgium. There's talk of uh, Duncan Ferguson, who had a successful... He's a club legend, had a successful interim. And Wayne Rooney, who is uh, a club legend, who's, who's kind of perhaps possibly going to pull off the impossible at Derby. Uh, who, who, who do you think? I'll put, I'll put the name out there that I think is due a big job in time, but he's got serious, serious commitment to Brighton. Graham Potter, for me, would be the man that would be able to come in, fix things... The type of players that Everton have, the flair players that they have, they've got the Richarlison's, the Dominic Calvert-Lewins, the young boy, um, Anthony Gordon, is, is just such a good... He was the only bright spark in that game. Everyone else, Andre Gomez was sloppy, passing all over the place. Salomon Rondon, you would expect him to be out the door now that Rafa has gone because Rafa was his only vouch. But Anthony Gordon was the bright spark in that Everton squad. Uh, but but Rafa has done what he's done, right? I mean, a lot of Liverpool fans call him the, the agent Rafa. He sold Luca Dine to, to Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa. Luca Dine could play for any top six club, in my opinion. I think the summary of this was, if you watch that game, when Norwich went up 2-0, you could actually see Rafa looking down on the floor and smiling because he knew that his time was up and he knew that, that nothing is going to work from now on. But for me, all those names, not the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's, not the Wayne Rooney's, Managers coming back for the second time. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Jose Moreno worked for a short while with Chelsea. Roberto Martinez, not really. I want to see Graham Potter be given a chance at a big club. And with Farad Moshiri's money, I think he could do well. But the problem with the Graham Potter is that um, he would need time as well. Yeah, He, he took would. time at Brighton. And you've just seen Everton are not prepared to give time. They've given Rafa Benitez the shortest ever, ever time. Whatever, whatever going, going on there. So time is not going to be allowed at Everton. And that, that is a problem. Whoever comes in, they're going to have, have to hit the ground running. Well, OK, well, uh, speaking of which, uh, our second match is, is the, um, again, an unlikely second match to talk about. But it's Aston Villa 2, Manchester United 2. I think that uh, Villa... Uh, manager ha- uh, Stephen Gerrard has hit the ground running and he's brought in Philip Coutinho who certainly hit the ground running set, essentially set up a goal and scored a goal Gogolin, you're a Villa fan what has has Gerrard brought something to the club to make dream big 
well, what he's tangibly brought to the club is the fact that he can lure players like Coutinho and Digne all, all around, you know. Because if we had Smith early on, I don't think the Coutinho transfer would have actually happened. So from a tangible point of view, yes, the, the Gerard effect is there for him to lure players to Villa. Uh, from the first half, I thought I thought we were in for a trashing because the first 15, 20 minutes where we were all over the place and United were, you know, as usual, they start really well and they were pressing and they got that lucky goal. And second half, we, we were coming back, we were getting back into the game. I think the team talk, Gerard does, I think, very well team talk because we always seem to be a uh, different team when we come out in the second half. And I think we were first to the ball and all that. Sanson had a good game despite his uh, poor pass for the second goal. And to come back from 2-0 down, at Villa Park against United. I know United are not uh, United of before, but again, with that squad, it was it was a testament to what uh, Stevie G is bringing to the table and the fact that the players believe that they can do it. B- before this, we're 2-0 down. I don't think we would have come back. That That is the, what I'm saying. It's testimony to the fact that Stevie G, what he's brought is belief that even at 2-0, we are still in it. Uh, Des, I want to I bring you in here to talk about United. I, I'm, I'm sure you want to talk about Stevie G. Do you call him Stevie G? Are you that kind of close to the to, to this? Uh... Absolutely not. Of course. Oh, okay. Not. All right. Of course not. Uh, all right. So with United, um, Ranić, uh, I kind of feel like that that there is uh, movement forward, but uh, then you have stories about Martial, very strange, saying that he didn't want to be on the team. I've never heard that before. I mean, what what did you think of United, and and do you think Ranić is getting the house in order? Uh, I've heard players not wanting to play several. It's, uh, it's happened at Manchester United before with Carlos Tevez and uh, and others. And what you do is you get rid of players like that because they're they're bad for morale. Uh, Ranić has um, he's got fabulous players to deal with, really good players. And to lose a, a two 0 lead against a, a a very strong Villa side, Steven Gerrard's uh, results actually aren't as good as the performance should suggest. So this might be an important one because they've got something out of a game that it looked likely they were go- going to lose. But for Manchester United, a they're still very dependent on David de Gea, who to my mind is still outstandingly the best goalkeeper arguably in the world. And has been. He had an off-season, maybe a not quite De Gea standard season a couple of, for the last couple of years. But he's an outstanding goalkeeper. In Varane, they've got a wonderful centre-back. Uh, Maguire, when he's on form and not uh, talking big, just playing, is, is terrific. They've got Ronaldo to lead the line. They've got some of the best kids in the world. It bemuses me. It did bemuse me under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who I still want to come back to the club, by the way. It bemuses me that they do not do better than they are because the raw materials are just outstanding. The, the, the fact that they're giving up two-goal leads to Aston Villa, is it, it, it befuddles the mind. They should be uh, challenging the, the Chelsea's and the Liverpool's, maybe not the Manchester City's, with the squad of player that they've got. Is Ranier getting it right? Um, right, yes, they can't string know. two passes together, mate. The short pass, I was wondering what they were doing. They can't, this, this there was is, no press. There was no this, press and they couldn't pass two passes together. So this is the dilemma about them. They're a bunch of wonderful players, and so it's who can coordinate them to actually put two passes together. And Ranić is deciding to go through the strong-arm tactics. I'm not sure that works at a club like Manchester United. I think you've got to stoke the ego of these players. No Ronaldo, Martinez suddenly does well. When Ronaldo's there, Martinez doesn't do well. There's no coincidence in that. So it's how you stoke the egos of these Man United players to get the best out of them. Ranić might be just too rough and raw and ready. Well, yeah. it's it's January something mid of January, and they're twenty four points behind leaders. This is Man United, who was second last season. You know, so 
I really don't know what uh, what 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 what. And by saying he's an interim manager, you have already shot yourself in the Absolutely. foot because you, no Correct. player is going to be playing for an interim manager. Correct. Mm. Arvin, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold you off here. Because in a moment, we're going to be talking about uh, the game of the weekend. Uh, When we come back to Off the Ball here on BFM 89.9. Because whilst he's there, it's been very difficult for other clubs to get near them. He's that good. Off the Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Off The Ball with myself, Cam Raslan, and Des Corkill, Gogolin, and Arvind. And now, Arvind, um, you're a Leeds fan, and I want to talk about Leeds. It was uh, West Ham 2, Leeds United 3. That's a pretty boring scoreline for uh, a, a Leeds United match. I mean, really, if it's not 4-5, what is it? But uh, you, uh, you know, Bamford's still out, but this guy Harrison pops up with a hat-trick. You must be very pleased. Very, very pleased. Jack Harrison, for me, has improved year on year under Marcelo Bielsa. And that's what he does. He improves players. He will do it with Dan James as well. First season with Leeds. Next season, we'll see the better Dan James. But this is a Leeds squad who has been literally ravaged with injuries. Literally. The entire spine is not there. There's no Bamford. There's no Calvin Phillips. There's no Liam Cooper. If you do the same thing to a Liverpool, you take out the Salah, you take out the Henderson, you take out the Virgil van Dijk, they're going to struggle. That's a top top three team. A team like Leeds cannot afford having these kind of injuries. But they did. They had a 15-year-old on bench yesterday. Archie Gray, the great nephew of uh, Eddie Gray. 15 years old, on the bench. And Bielsa has given the most debuts in a season for any player. Eight players. So he's really, really... And that's the thing with Bielsa. He will not spend. There's a lot of Leeds fans saying, oh, the squad is so thin. Let's go out. Let's buy players. He's just not that type of a guy because he feels it's against his philosophy to go and spend money when he's developing players. So very, very proud of the boys last night. I thought they were fantastic. Best game of the season for us. Best performance. Back-to-back wins. And I think if you look at last week when they got knocked out by West Ham in the FA Cup and you ask the Leeds fan, would you want three points in the league? The three points in the league is what they wanted. So overall, really good performance last night. Yeah, uh, but by the way, I'm not police sirens. Are the police coming for one of you boys? Um, it's probably the VAR police. It's probably the VAR police, and that's what it is. <laughs> yes, yes. Can I yeah. mention VAR, please? Oh, oh, yeah. Please do, Des. <laughs> okay. Technically, absolutely technically, Leeds' fourth goal was a click who, who belted it into the empty net, and it uh, clipped a, a Leeds player on the line. Technically, VAR is so correct. So what has happened is the VAR and the new rules have taken any. Any form of judgment, of reasonableness, of um, uh, almost fair play out of uh, referees' decisions. So, uh, uh, technically, he's offside. Technically, by the rules of the game, yes, that goal should have been disallowed. By all moral values, by every other value you would like to do, by sheer sportsmanship, that goal should have stood. But VAR comes in. Technically, everything is spot on, so the law must be obeyed. Otherwise, we will all go to hell and damnation. It is crap sport. It's meant to be enjoyed. Goals are there to be celebrated. And if you're taking goals off for technicalities, technically it was correct. I tell you what, it is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And we've not even mentioned Brighton versus Palace yet. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to be mentioning uh, Brighton versus Palace in a moment. I'm wondering if you, though, can, uh, can actually come up with a new angle for that one. And, uh, and I like this moral policing. I think that's great, you know. Uh, instead of the red or uh, yellow card, perhaps Des could pop up with a, a green card. You're mocking me, Cam Rosling. I know. You're mocking I'm, me. I'm on your side. I'm on your side. 
Um, after that VAR talk, uh, I'm a bit confused now where we're going. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I want to talk now about Liverpool 3, Brentford 0. And I'm not going to come to you, Des, on this one. I want to come to Gogolin as a, as a neutral party to, to consider the performance. Uh, the scoreline sounds very emphatic, and it, it was emphatic. But, but at the same time, Brentford were able to break through and, and a, a better finisher could have scored. This is not the lineup that uh, Klopp ever imagined he was ever going to field, um, but he's engineered for, for it in mind. Gogolin, do you think that uh, what does this say about uh, Liverpool's chances moving forwards? Well, uh, beginning of the, I mean, show of the show, Des says that uh, the, the league is done and dusted. I personally don't think so. I think uh, Chelsea and Liverpool will still have a lot to say, and Liverpool, once his, their Afcon players come back, I will will have definitely a lot to say. I personally think City have not gone through their wobble yet, so yes, there is a lot to play for. So this this Liverpool team that that just played out against Brentford is what you say a testimony to the depth of squad that they have. That yeah, I, I I even though whatever Brentford did, I think relatively it was a Liverpool straightforward win. It, they weren't troubled much. It was uh, I'd, from a neutral point of view, it was three points in the bag. I expected a bit more from Brentford to be honest, especially with this Liverpool side, but. Uh, they they stuck to their game plan, Klopp's game plan, and uh, even without the players like I mean, it's always everybody's talking about the Salah and the money. You still have a really really strong squad, and depth is what we need. Uh, so the top three teams right now in the Premier League have such good depth that you won't believe it. And I've always said depth is something that comes to play, especially in January, February. You know when the when the injuries start piling up, the Fcon and all this. That when the variables come into play is when depth comes into play. So I, I think Liverpool are still in with a shout, if you ask me. You speak about wobbles as if it's a certainty that every club must have a wobble. But, but we'll... it, it is. It is. If I've been watching the Premier League, the, the, the Championship and everything. Every team goes through a wobble and that's, that's a given. It's just mm-hmm. how, how much you mitigate that wobble is what, what depth brings to it. Okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna bring now. It's Dez's turn, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna set him the challenge of talking about this match, but only limiting his VAR talk to ten seconds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a, a fabulous match. Actually, I, I I really enjoyed this one. This is Brighton one, Crystal Palace one. Crystal Palace, you're saying, is one of the hard most hard done by team together is uh, was astonishing, but and it remained made me think. Hodgson was the previous manager. The change from Hodgson football to this football at Palace now is astonishing. People talk about how managers can't possibly change something so fast, but they have been changed. Uh, But is it the inclusion of uh, a single player, say, like Conor Gallagher, that makes the difference? Uh, No, it's, um, it's, it's they play much higher up the pitch. And they've got uh, faster defenders. Uh, Gwehi, until he got injured, I, 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 did he play at the, other, at the weekend? But Gwehi has pushed them further up the pitch. And so the two centre-backs largely have changed. So they're playing more in opposition half. They're taking the game to the opponent. Uh, ju- just a brief mention on VAR. The fact that it was your headline on a cracking game like that tells you the problem of VAR. It's given a dubious penalty. There is a penalty. There is contact. If the referee hasn't seen it, normally you get away with them. It's given up. It's a 50-50 disallowed goal against Jack Butland. That's a reasonable challenge. Many centre forward um, by by Mopé in in my book. But VAR interferes and suddenly uh, Brighton um, have a penalty and they have then a goal disallowed. And we're talking about that. That's 15 seconds. But um, Palace are just a different team. 
And Brighton are a very nice team as well under, under Graham Carr. They play progressive football. They like to try and go and win games of football. That's what Palace do now. They try to win games of football. Under Roy Hodgson, they tried to not lose games of football. Therein is the fundamental difference. And you see, um, I, I, give, me, give me a relegated team that tries to go and win games a million times out of a million. Arvin, you were talking about... Uh the Brighton manager Potter just now. Uh, did you see any? Uh, what, what, what's what? What is it that you like about him that you maybe saw in this match? But also, I just want to point out on my side, this was a proper. It's not actually a derby, but they have they have a rivalry. Yeah. They, they really they meant this, and uh, and that was good to see. Yeah, I I think he has improved the entire squad quite significantly. Their, their goals average is much better than last season. Defensively, they're stronger than last season. I think they've got a smashing left, left back in Mark uh, Chicharella at, at the left back. Ex-Barcelona and ex-Catafe player. He just whips great balls into the box. Uh, yes, Neil Mopé, well, there'll always be that question of do they have a 20-goal striker, which they've not had for, 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 for ages. So that's probably that one area that Graham Potter, if he gets that sorted, you would expect the amount of chances that they create, that they'll be probably be higher up the pitch. Uh, Adam Lallana, for me, settling back to the old Adam Lallana, pre-Liverpool. So he's doing well as well. For Pascal Gross, what a terrible penalty that was. I thought it was absolutely horrible. I, I, I know a lot of credit goes to Jack Butlin and he did a save and all that. And he did a better save in the second half as well, but it was a horrible penalty. So for me, Graham Potter has significantly improved the squad. And he's done that because he's had a lot of money from the Ben White transfer and he's invested it in buys that are making it work for that squad. So overall, good things for for Brighton. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I I grew up fairly close to Brighton. I still don't care about them at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I just I I fail, I fail to be uh, excited by Brighton. But uh, but but uh, Potter, I suppose for England, I've no idea. Um, we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off from uh, the the big talk of uh, what should be the big match. I'm gonna hold off from that. I'm going to take it over to, to, to the next part. When we talk about um, the league decider, Manchester City against Chelsea, here on Off the Ball, BFM 89.9. Captain, leader, legend. Off the Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Off the Ball with myself, Cam Raslan, uh, Des Corkill, Goglin, and Arvind. And now... The match that you would ordinarily think should be the lead match in our show, uh, but I've put it all the way down here. The title decider, shall we say, Manchester City 1, Chelsea 0. I put it down here because I feel like, I personally feel the the league is done and dusted. I think Des felt that earlier, though Goglin still thinks there's some life in it. Uh, Goglin, I'm going to bring you in here. I thought that the one thing that I took from this was that the, the Manchester City press, and they looked like a team bursting with energy at the beginning of the season as opposed to halfway through. Uh, testament to Pep Guardiola. Yeah, of course. I mean, again, the depth they have is, you know, incredible. They're all these players, and they play the Pep way, right? This is ingrained into them, as you can watch. Regardless, the way that they have so much of time on the ball, the way that when they lose the ball, every player, when they lose the ball, they don't even... Even if it's like a, they think it's a foul, they don't argue much with the line. But they immediately, I saw Silva, he got fouled right in front of the lino. 
and he just had a shot of it, and immediately turned around and went back to the ball. And that is what I was thinking. That has been ingrained into your training because he just spent a second, and then he realized that he needs to get back to defending, and he went back and defended at at a corner, uh, at the corner flag of the opponent. And that's my point. These guys press. It's, I think they were born every day. They go into the training ground and it's press, press, press. So it's it's, it's come secondary. What I really didn't expect is that what uh, Chelsea's game plan of just defending, defending and you know, parking the bus. I thought it was Mourinho. It's all back to you know Mourinho days again, and with Lukaku as the outlet. I understand what he was trying to do in playing Lukaku as the outlet against you know Stones and all that. But you really needed to get the ball to Lukaku. And, you know, it was just that it was eventually going to just come out. Uh, well, yeah, Des, did you uh, learn anything here that you didn't already learn? Perhaps about Chelsea, actually. It was uh, it was, a, it was an OK performance from Chelsea, but they just seemed just overwhelmed. Uh, in many ways, this reminded me of the Champions League final last year when Chelsea didn't really come out to play. They kind of sat back and soaked up what Mad City had and, and were able to go and take the win. Um, but it, it doesn't work every time. Uh, not, not when you've got somebody like Kevin De Bruyne who can uh, come inside two players and finish like he did the goal was absolutely glorious uh, Manchester City are just so dominant um, I, I, I wish I shared Gog's um, in, um, optimism that they'll have a, have a blip but I don't see weaknesses in Man City I think they've rotated players this was probably their strongest team and uh, you look at it but there's a, there's a world class replacement for every single player in that squad um, uh, it, they're, they're a sensational group of players a billion pounds helps it really does but you also put Guardiola um, in, in charge and he's put a, a rugby mentality. Now, by a rugby mentality, they're, they're not arguing. They're stepping back. The total discipline. Liverpool are fairly similar as well. You don't argue. Just get on with things. You, uh, something goes against you. You, you have your word. Your captain maybe says something. Then you get back ready to go. You just take what, what's coming your way. Uh, it's, a, it's great principles to have. It's also really good when you can afford a, a hundred million player like Jack Grealish to give him time to bed in. So he's not he's not turned over anything, but he's still playing the big games. He's still making a contribution and he's part of a team. He's not a hundred million superstar. He's not going to change Manchester City like Coutinho will hopefully change Villa. But he just fits into the team. They're, they're, they're a remarkable group of players. I just wish it hadn't cost a billion pounds to put them together. Otherwise, I could I could really admire them. Uh, the, the one other thing, can, can I just um, Jim Beglin might be in trouble because of commentary. <laughs> Uh, where he, oh, called, yeah. <laughs> he called it empty had and quickly uh, correcting himself to Etihad, former Liverpool player doing that on air, former Leeds player as well doing that on air. Gosh, he might be in a bit of trouble. Might be in trouble, Jim Beglin. Yes, uh, I, I know, on on, uh, on the WhatsApp group, uh, Goglin was was instantly up with that one. Um, yes, uh, uh, me and my son were laughing our heads off. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny, but no humour allowed in the modern day. Can't joke about things like that. You might upset somebody. Uh, well, uh, Arvind, you were nodding your head in agreement with Des there, but do you think that there's a... I mean, Goglin said that they, they're, they're going to definitely get a wobble, but do you, do you think there's an opportunity, a possible chance, some chink in the armour? No, I don't think so at all. I, I agree I agree with Des that it's unfortunate that they've had to need to spend the amount of money to, to do what they're doing. But if they win the title this season, it's four titles in five years. That's not... And that's a dynasty right there because you know how difficult it is to defend your title. And the thing with Pep Guardiola, he's done this with Barcelona, he does this with Bayern, and he's doing this with City. The moment he smells blood, he doesn't let go. We saw how it was like when when Liverpool came to Etihad and a couple of seasons back and Leroy Sané scored that goal. 
And when City went ahead by one point, he made it, he drove it in that team that we would win all our games. It's regardless what Liverpool does, they finished on 100 points, Liverpool finished on 99. So I really don't see a way way back for, for Liverpool and Chelsea for me for this. I think Man City will, will wrap this up. They've got an opportunity to probably drop a couple of points here and there, and that might help them in the Champions League when it comes to what they really want. But for me, four titles in five years, it's just, it's almost unheard of in modern era when it comes to English football. So I think they deserve all the compliments. Mm-hmm. Of okay, well, that's Man City we've been talking about. And uh, so we're going to go next to our next match. Is, uh, the next Man City, the new Man City. In, in five, ten years' time, we'll be talking not about Man City's achievements, but about Newcastle United's achievements uh, on the big stage. But at the moment, they're struggling. Uh, although new manager Eddie Howe has not suffered any defeats uh, under his management at uh, Newcastle, I think I'm correct with that stat. Um, they uh, they struggled to well, they didn't struggle, but they had a one-one draw against fellow relegation tr- people in trouble, uh, Watford. The, the the newly richest club in the world, Gogland, uh, they're having a very extended wobble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a perennial wobble there. <laughs> the newly richest club in the world. I really don't know where where they're going to go with this, you know, because if they they, they have this project, I'm sure it's going to be a project also because of the amount of money that's going to be spent. But you know, if they get relegated, and that is a distinct possibility that they will get relegated because it's already January. What are they going to do with that project? Are players going to come? Because uh, I, I saw this meme outside that if Steve Bruce had signed Chris Wood, what would be the fan base be saying, right? It's mm-hmm. it's uh, I I really don't know what they what they, they, they what are their targets? They haven't even laid that out. What are their plans? What are their five year plan? What are their two year plans? I don't think they even know because they don't know whether they're going to be in the Premiership or the Championship. And if they're in the Championship, what are they going to do? How are they going to attract the players? Regardless how much money you spend. A players are not going to look like mercenaries by going to Newcastle, right? A Kylian Mbappe, regardless of how much you pay him, he's not going to go and play the championship because everybody knows why you're going there. I don't know. He could be he could be a club legend if he did that. Uh, when uh, Des, when I heard about Anthony Martial refusing to be on the team sheet for United, I thought, well, he should go to Newcastle. He's the kind of guy who could actually create a legend for himself there. Well, no, because his attitude's all wrong. I, th- I think the Chris Wood signing is, is a terrific signing because the objective number one for Eddie Howe is to uh, stay in the division, stay, stay in the top flight. And what, what Wood does is he gives, them a, gives Newcastle a focal point, a centre-forward for Sam Maximan and Ryan Fraser pl- to play off. And already you've seen uh, he's gone to a 4-3-3 with uh, uh, John Joe Shelby at the base of the three, and that's allowed long staff and Joe Wilton, who's uh, re- redesigned himself as a, as a left-sided midfielder. So I can see what the, the objective number one get ourselves into positions where we're giving some maximum more opportunity to get on the ball to score the kind of brilliant goal that he scored maybe the next thing they need to do is get in a centre half who won't panic because Newcastle very much did seem to worry in the last 10 minutes that Watford would come and get the equaliser and Watford did get the equaliser but the fact he's got a couple of big draws against Manchester United now this is an important uh, an important draw they, they didn't lose. That's number one. They're still in with a, 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 fighting, a fighting chance. There's still half a season to go. And you could see, I thought, what he was trying to do short term. It's not the long term plan. Chris Wood is not the answer. 
Chris Wood is not the answer to uh, 10 years down the line, but Chris Wood is the answer to the next six months, or Chris Wood is one of the answers to the next six months. So I, I can see what Eddie Howe's doing, but uh, uh, Gogs is quite right. If, if Steve Bruce had signed Chris Wood, he would have been hung up on the, well, what, what's the Angel of the North statue? He would have been hung, hung up there and, and sold out to dry. So it, it's, it, it's, all, it's all about image, and Brucey didn't have the, the correct image. Um, but uh, Eddie Howe is, the, is, is a bright new, bright new thing. I'd, I think Newcastle will be fine now. I'd, I'd, I'd worry about um, other teams being dragged in. Newcastle will score enough points to get away. Uh, Arvin, you have experience as a, a Leeds United fan of a great club, greater really than Newcastle United, that fell on hard times and has managed to claw its way back. We don't know, of course, if this is a permanent, if, if Leeds' tenure is permanent in the Premiership. But would you be able to offer, from your uh, perspective, any, uh, any, any ideas for how Newcastle can, can, can move forward? It's quite different. I mean, the scenarios that Leeds had and, and Newcastle where Leeds were in financial ruin at the time that they got relegated, they had to get rid of all their assets because they had to keep the club afloat. Newcastle's got a lot of money. And with the signings that they've made with Kieran Trippier and Chris Wood, I'm pretty sure in their mind, they've thought to themselves, are these the type of signings that will get us out of the championship? And quite frankly, they are. Because I can imagine Chris Wood scoring a bag of lower goals in the championship, Kieran Trippier giving enough assists along with Ryan Fraser. Players that know the know-how of the championship, a couple of them are in Newcastle's uh, books right now as well. And the one thing that Newcastle has done really well with this transfer of Chris Wood is, while he might not score as many goals for Newcastle, Burnley, they've yeah. taken away the goals from Burnley. So when you've taken away the goals from Burnley, that makes Burnley even tougher to, to stay up. And the thing is, these two games were going to define Newcastle. I agree with Des that they, 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 they couldn't afford to lose. Having that draw is very unfortunate because of the manner that Watford scored in the last minute. But now, they play Burnley this coming weekend. And if they get a couple of points, if they get three points against Burnley, Burnley are going to think to themselves, we've lost our number nine, we've lost to Newcastle, we are bottom of the table. It's very tough to Burnley to come out from there. So there's a huge game coming up for Newcastle. But I think it's different scenarios for Newcastle and Leeds. If Newcastle go down, they will steamroll the championship and come back right up, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, we're now going to move on to, and I'm going to give this to Gogolin. I'm sure he'll be very happy. The glamour tie of the weekend, which was uh, Wolves 3, Southampton 0. Um, I... I <laughs> I'm very excited about this match. Yeah. No, but I'm wondering, well, Southampton, who are they? What are they? They just put four past Brentford, um, and then they get beat. What's? I, I don't. I just don't understand them. What? Are, Gogland, can you explain to me what Southampton are? If I was a betting man, I'd probably be losing so much money on Southampton on Brentford. This is the same Brentford that beats Villa, then goes gets get trashed by Southampton, and then rolls away at Liverpool. So you know, Southampton. Again, I really have no idea what they are. What are they, doing. they started out the season well. They um, they have a really good manager, and the four the, the four goals that they put past the other day, Brentford, was a was a long time coming for Southampton. If you are a Southampton fan, because I know a Southampton fan, and he said they originally they also have like a project, but they keep selling their best players. So again, I that is the project, isn't it? Yeah, yeah they, exactly. They asked him, "What well, is that the project?" And you know. They keep trying to build players, and then every time they do really well, and their best players get picked. Villa were in that position a couple of seasons ago, and I really understand that it's just two steps up and then three, uh, four steps down. Well, speaking of a project of uh, selling players, Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, Des, you must you you must love this kind of uh, business proposition. You you must it just must must make your heart glow. 
Absolutely not. I'm, I'm not a fan of Wolves because everyone's been waxing lyrical about uh, Bruno Larger and I, I think they've been one of the most negative, destructive teams uh, in the league this year. Uh, that It's Wolverhampton Wanderers nil generally and for them to score three suggests that Southampton did something pretty pretty dreadful defensively. There are one or two nice Wolves players. They've got the Portuguese connection, how legitimate it is. Um, I, I, I don't have any legal background, so I'm not... Um, uh, prepared to go to go down make accusations but it does seem a little bit suspect how all of these players turn up there nonetheless they're in the top eight uh, Wolves are feeling pretty happy with themselves um, I, I'm glad that they've stopped just sitting back and defending because they just sat back and defended for so so long uh, picked up the odd point here were unlucky there but they, they weren't scoring goals so for, 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 for me for the amount of money they get from television the 150 million plus 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 they sh uh, team should be entertaining I've been saying this for 10 years plus uh, and Wolves haven't been entertaining this time they entertained poor old Southampton on the wrong side Southampton four games good four games bad four games good four games bad they'll be bottom half the, of the premiership but they'll be fine uh, yeah so I'm, I know I really I'm so pleased that I gave the the Wolves bit to Des because uh, they're eighth, Des. They're eighth. They're happy, and they don't they don't allow themselves to be thrashed ten the agents, every week. The agents are always happy. Agents are very happy at Wolves. <laughs> okay, somebody's uh, making money there. Okay, in a moment we're going to come back and we're going to look forward to uh, the upcoming matches in the EPL uh, here on Off the Ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. Where's the try? And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Off the ball. It's EPL looking forwards on uh, BFM. Uh, some midweek matches coming up, along with... Um, there are so many COVID hit matches which are pending, and I'm not quite sure how they can sort that out. But in this week coming up, Arvin, I want to give you the, the glamour tie. I, th I think it could be a very interesting match. Uh, Leicester versus Spurs. And I'm wondering, is Conte actually going to field a real team for this match? I think he will. I think Conte is at a point where he has come out and he's made some noises about the squad. Uh, he's made some noises already. And, it, and we knew he was gonna not going to take Conte long because that's how it's always been with Juventus. He, he did it with Roman Abramovich. If he could do it with Roman Abramovich, why wouldn't he do it with Daniel Levy? So he's always been a man who is not satisfied with what he has. He will develop players to a certain extent, but he still spends a heck of a lot of money. So he started making those noises already. So I think still think he'll feel a, a real enough team because he's got that competitive edge to always win. That's You can never take that away from Conte. But he will still come out even after a win and say, you know, we still need reinforcements. We could see against the Carabao Cup one, he said when they lost to Chelsea, they were kind of outclassed by Chelsea in both legs. And he did say... We are a couple of steps behind uh, where Chelsea is because we need to invest. And that's what he's looking for Daniel Levy to do. Daniel Levy is obviously not going to do it in January, uh, but he's kind of playing a little power game to get the, what, the money that he wants at the, in the summer. So I still think that he, he'll probably brush aside Leicester on this one. Leicester, for me, this season have not been at the level that we thought they would be. So I still think Conte with his winning mentality will kind of get the points that they need for this one. Gogolin, can I bring you in here and ask you, uh, you know, with Benitez being uh, sacked by Everton, Everton's one of the more patient uh, clubs, actually, with their managers, whereas Spurs are less patient. But Conte has an incredible track record. Uh, in terms of being given time, he'll be given time, wouldn't he? And how much time do you think he'll need? 
Uh, he'll definitely be given time, but if he goes against uh, Daniel Levy, then it's uh, there's so much time he won't be given much time. If he can starts pressuring uh, Levy to start spending, and when he doesn't want to, a lot of managers have found out the hard way that you know there's only one boss in the Spurs. So it's it depends on how his, his relationship with uh, Daniel Levy actually goes. You know, Conte is a serial winner, so he needs a lot of time, especially with a club like Spurs. You know, he really needs to rebuild and need to bring in his own players, need to have his own squads in. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of players, Bar, Son, and Kane, are not on his radar. So if you ask me, so. He is going to be a massive rebuild. A lot of Spurs fans know it, and a lot of Spurs. I mean, you could have seen the past few games. You know, they've just written off the season, and that and this from coming from Spurs fans. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, they're not they're not famous for being patient people. Uh, I, I, you know, Des, I want to I want to throw a bit of a curveball at you here because um, Kane is. I mean, he's he's famously a slow starter, but it's kind of well halfway through. It's time to start. Um, is is he that? Is he that uh, terrible five-season flash in the pan? <laughs> and and we're building up now to the summer transfer window, and I'm wondering how much he's thinking about uh, whether he should stay or not. But I want to throw another name in, uh, which we didn't talk about earlier. West Ham's Jared Bowen as a striker, um, as uh, somebody who could rival Kane in the England setup if Kane doesn't get his act together. How, how do you see the Kane thing happening? I think Harry Kane may well have missed his big chance uh, for, for, for the big move. I think it was either Manchester City to improve things or you, or you stay to be a club legend. And unless um, unless a, a Barcelona decide that they've somehow found another 50 million that they're allowed to spend illegally, uh, unless that comes in, I can't, see, I can't see Harry Kane moving, particularly if Conte's there. I suspect Conte is trying to get the best out of uh, Harry Kane. And if Conte, if Conte can stay... On good terms with Daniel Levy for two seasons, Tottenham can improve um, quite quite dramatically. Jared Bowen. So Liverpool have been sniffing around Jared Bowen for about two years. There's there's talk of him as being a very useful squad member, not the lead man, not the not not the main man, as we saw uh, with his last second miss against Leeds at the at the weekend. <laughs> he he misses some chances. Uh, he gets in good positions though, but he's he's been mentioned as a very very useful player to to supplement a, a front three, but. Um, he did well against Norwich, got the goals, big chance going, at, but he's getting in the right place. I don't see he's a, he's a top, top player, but he's a very decent player, Jared Bowen, um, would uh, supplement any squad. Perfect for West Ham at the moment because um, he's scoring goals and he's adding value to, to, to what they do. Um, but as, as for, for the Harry Kane, Harry Kane, I think, is, is, is likely to be a, a Tottenham legend now. Um, it's kind of Steven Gerrard-esque because he's missed his big, big move. Remember when Gerrard missed his move to, to Chelsea after the Champions League win? Uh, that, and, and then he said, hey, I may as well become a legend here rather than make uh, millions and millions and millions more of the millions that are made. And Harry Kane, I think, will be in the same boat. I don't know. You're Harry Kane, Newcastle United, <laughs> team, teaming up with Kylian Mbappe. Uh, and Chris Wood. <laughs> and Chris Wood. Uh, that's that's the dream lineup. Uh, Alvin, I want to ask another, another match which I think versus Manchester United. I feel like you know Manchester United have a lot of troubles in terms of uh, the psychology of the dressing room, and Brentford are the kind of team who uh, I personally didn't expect too much at the beginning of the season, but they've shown themselves to be a very muscular team. They're very they 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 really get at you and and i wonder if this is precisely the kind of team this rather flaky manchester united would not want to play right now 
spot on camp. I think United will be dreading going over to Bradford because Bradford right now is, are, are leaking goals. They're not playing as well as as they did at the start of the season. To be honest, they've been slipping down the table significantly. But the last thing that Man United want is to go to a place like Brentford, and when you've got that Scandinavian strength that they have, the Pontus Janssens, the Christopher Ayers, the Christian Norgard, those are guys that will get in your face. And if the likes of of Juan Bissaka, if the likes of, of Ronaldo, if the likes of Bruno Fernandes are not up for it, Brentford can spring a surprise. The only one, the one player that for me, since Ralph Ragnick has come on board, that has really taken on the Ragnick instructions, and it's probably been the best player at United since Ralph Ragnick has signed, is Scott McDominay. Because for me, Scott McDominay does a shift every game. He's not the most flashiest, he's not the most talented, but he's a reliable Scott McDominay. So for me, United, yes, they've got more skillful players. If they play their best, they will come away with three points. But if they're not up for it, and physically they don't feel like it, Brentford can bully them off the park on that one. Oh, uh, yeah, you called it. And I think, uh, I think I personally, I agree with you entirely. Um, uh, Gogland, one last match that I want to talk about. And, um, and I don't even know why I'm talking about it because, you know, uh, Chelsea could, against Brighton, put themselves touching distance, tantalizing touching distance to the Premier League Cup, uh, a mere nine points away from the top. I just wonder what Chelsea's season is now and um, what kind of motivation have they got in the league um, as opposed to in any Champions League campaign? Well, they still, I mean, Tuchel would have hammered it into them that, you know, the blip that was the City game is gone. Now they've got to pick up points where they really need to. They will go on board, pick up points. They will give City a run for their money. This is what Tuchel does. Chelsea are too good to drop off the radar like that. And uh, they they will uh, prioritize Champions League, of course. But you know the the league is not a loss for them. They know that they they, they will be just, they will be there hunting. They will be there within uh, shooting distance, touching distance. And uh, games like Brighton, yes, uh, Brighton are a strong side. Well, every Premiership right side right now is strong side. But City uh, Chelsea should be back to winning ways on this. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, okay. That sounds very self assured. I, I mean, I see, I see where you're coming from, but you never can tell. Wobbles. Uh, I got to. I'm gonna jump. Out. I'm going to jump away from the other two matches. Burnley, Watford. Well, that's you know, okay. Fair enough. Uh, good, Des, you know. I'm sure Des got a lot to say about that one. Uh, up, up the Watfords, and uh, we want to. I want to move on to some transfer talk. Uh, it's still obviously transfer window time, and I want to. I want to throw out some of the uh, perhaps crazier ones that have uh, come up. Uh, one is Diego Costa. Remember him to Arsenal. And another one is same kind of uh, thing in line, which is uh, Christian Eriksen to um, Spurs. Des, and uh, one last one, I'm going to throw at you. This one is more likely Vlahovic, uh, Serbian striker, to uh, either Arsenal, Spurs, or Real Madrid. Any of these uh, transfers? Uh, do you think there's any any truth in any of these? Uh, Vlavic. Vlavic has uh, been highly touted for a couple of seasons now, plays for Fiorentina, tall, uh, a striker, good left foot, leads the line well, mobile, uh, has got international pedigree, has performed well for Fiorentina, uh, is, a, is, is, a, is a very good um, a team member, but who, who leads his particular part of the team as well. I think all smart clubs are looking at somebody like uh, Vlavic as, as, as an option to, to strengthen them. I think, um, so you mentioned Diego Costa and Mikel Arteta, 
Arteta's just got rid of uh, Aubameyang for coming late home from um, from from um, uh, from seeing his sick mother. Uh, uh, Diego Costa will give him a lot more trouble than that. So I don't think Costa to Arsenal has got a chance. I think Vlajevic, who's very much a 21st century player, um, um, mobile, good team man, looks after himself, no real bad publicity surrounding him. I think him coming to the Premier League, particularly to an Arteta-led Arsenal, that's probably the one that I would be uh, putting most store upon. Don't forget, Arsenal have got the League Cup semi-final against Liverpool this week as, as well, um, uh, Cam. Uh, can't let that one go. And I also, I also, uh, Arsenal called off the, the big derby against um, Tottenham at the week. And they, it wasn't only COVID. They said that they had players missing through AFCON. That really got my goat. Because I thought AFCON was off limits. COVID, absolutely. But AFCON was given as, as one of the reasons. I found that very, very strange. Completely off off uh, Vlavic, but I found that one very strange. Yeah, no, no, that that is uh, that is wrong. You're not allowed to say that kind of thing. Uh, okay, Arvin, I'm going to finish with you. Um, uh, Des mentioned the League Cup, uh, but I'm not going to. So uh, we're going to move. I want to ask one last question, which caught my eye: uh, transfers, Harland, possibly about three hundred million. They're saying three hundred million pounds to Real Madrid. And you're a Real Madrid fan. Is this possible? It is possible because the amount of savings that Florentina Perez has made the last couple of summers, the books in Real Madrid show much better than what Barcelona does. But the very interesting thing with Haaland is that everyone knows there's a release clause at the end of the season where he's 75, 80 million, which is literally peanuts for a player like him. He came out over the weekend after that win, won 5-1 against Freiburg and said, the club is pressuring me now to make a decision. So that, for me, seemed really awkward that Borussia Dortmund would do this in January when they know they're going to lose him at the end, at the end of the summer. So it seems like Haaland needs to make a decision that $300 million includes not just his transfer fee. It's the commissions for Minerayola. It's the six-year deal. It's the weekly salary. But Real have got their sights on Mbappe. But from all accounts and what I've read, they can afford Haaland as well. I think it's a luxury that they don't need. But... Trust Florentino Perez to go with the bang with the new refurbished Santiago Bernabeu. Okay, well, I, I still think I think that the Haaland Chris Woods combination at Newcastle I think could be very exciting. I'm looking forward to that one in the Championship next <laughs> next season. So, well, that brings us to the end of uh, this week's episode of Off the Ball, and I uh, just want to thank our guest pundits Des Corkill. As always, crazily chaotic, Cam Raslan. Loving your style. <laughs> Gogolin, thank you for coming in last minute, first name on the team sheet. Hey, always a pleasure. <laughs> and Arvin, thank you. We lost you there a couple of... You've been swapping between computers and everything, but such a pro, he, he got it through to the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. got it through. Just keep, just keep watching the highlights of Jack Harrison's hat-trick. That's the best, best play of the weekend, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all, guys, and thank you for listening. Please join us on Friday for On The Ball uh, here on BFM 89.9. Build a mentality in that dressing room that's powerful, strong, made them feel like they're unbeatable. What a coach. Off The Ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.